It's time for Nordic on Tap. Welcome to our podcast featuring interviews, music, folk tales, and lots of hygge, all with a Nordic flavor. I'm your host, Eric Stavney. Welcome to this December edition of Nordic on Tap. We'll have a look at Tomte, the artists who have illustrated these creatures, and the origin of Nordic Santa Claus. The Tomte is an elf-like creature who traditionally took care of the farm and its animals, but otherwise it's invisible to humans. He, and it's a he, is equivalent to the Norwegian Nisse. I first learned about the Swedish Tomte when my wife introduced me to Harald Viberg's illustrations in three Tomte books, which somehow I had amazingly never seen. I'm quite familiar with the Norwegian Nisse, but the Tomte is very similar. I absolutely loved Viberg's Tomte in his books and also admired his lifelike depictions of the farm animals and the fox in those stories. Now, when I think of a Tomte, I see only Viberg's illustrations in my head, but each illustrator before him moved the concept of the Tomte in different directions, including, as you'll see, the development of the modern-day Santa Claus. To try to tease out the cultural history of Tomte illustration, I called up Emeritus Professor Lotta Gavel Adams from the University of Washington Scandinavian Studies Department. She's a cultural historian and a specialist in Nordic mythology, among other things. So to prepare you for this conversation, if you like, we're going to talk about several pictures, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to go look those up so you can see what we're talking about. We'll start with pictures drawn by Jenny Nistrom, which is Jenny in, in the American pronunciation, J-E-N-N-Y, Nistrom, N-Y-S-T-R-E, oh, with the two dots over it, M. Uh, and if you just Google her name, you'll see many, many postcards of the Victorian art with this little little guy in it. Second, we're going to talk about Elsa Beskov. That's L-C-E-L-S-A, Elsa. Beskov is spelled B-E-S-K-O-W. And especially you want to Google the scenes around the table in Petter, P-E-T-T-E-R, and Lotta's, L-O-T-T-A-S, Christmas. Petter and Lotta's Christmas. This is a book that she illustrated. And you might also add to that Google request to look at the scenes with goat masks in them. We'll also talk about Hadon Sundblom, H-A-D-D-O-N, and Sundblom, S-U-N-D-B-L-O-M, and his pictures of Santa Claus with Coca-Cola. We'll touch on Astrid Lindgren of Pippi Longstocking fame, Lindgren, L-I-N-D-G-R-E-N, who rewrote the Tompton books from, from the poems that they were originally written in, and Harald Wieberg, W-I-B-E-R-G, the naturalist artist who illustrated them that I was talking about. 
The Lindgren Wieberg books are The Tomte, T-O-M-T-E, The Tomte and the Fox, and Christmas at the Tomte's Farm. Oh, those are all the English titles. I'll place pictures of these artists on the Nordic on Tap website at nordicontap.com when that gets up and running. So here's our conversation. Where that might have come from, I can imagine that isn't necessarily only Scandinavian. No, it isn't, but uh, it has a long, long tradition. It goes back to the Middle Ages that we have records of having a farm spirit. You know, they had spirits in the, uh, you know, if somebody drowned in a, in, a, in a lake or in a, in a creek, then it was the water sprite, some kind of, of, of supernatural being that, that uh, uh, dragged them down. If you walked in the forest and you got lost, then it was the huldra who kind of uh, 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 lured you off the beaten tracks. But each farm, actually the word tomte comes from the word tomt, which means a plot of land or a farmstead. So that was, he was originally the farm spirit and he would take care of, of the farm and the people there. He wasn't very visible. He was out at night most of the time and he was, he was mostly very good. He wasn't, didn't really care for children, but he was very good with animals. But you had to treat him well, too, because he had kind of a bit of a temper. There are many, many stories in the old uh, Nordic sagas, uh, in the old Nordic folk tales about uh, the farm spirit. You know, he, he, on Christmas Eve, he definitely wanted his porridge to put out in the stable. And he wanted sugar on or honey on it, you know, otherwise it was bad business. There's one story about the the farm wife put the honey on top of the porridge and it sank to the bottom. And so the Tomte came out and said, wow, no honey. And he got so angry that he broke the legs of, of the cow. Uh, and in just in anger, and then he started eating the porridge and he realized, ooh, the honey was at the bottom. <laughs> so then he regretted what he had done and took the, the cow with the broken legs and carried it over to the neighbor's house and brought back the, 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 the healthy cow again. So you had to treat him, you had to treat him well, you know, and he, he, he could be a little touchy <laughs> you know, if you didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So would we say that, he, so that served the purpose of, of, explaining the unexplainable why people have good luck or bad luck maybe some? yes people like to people like to uh, have something to to explain you know good luck and bad luck and also to behave in certain ways so that they do get better luck you know right so right uh -huh. i like that uh. so so was it Riedberg that that sort of Focus the Tomte in winter time because it's darker, right? Is it is he yeah, supposedly yeah. the per first person who kind of focused it? Then he he is one of the first ones who wrote about the Tomte, and he did it in a story, Little Vig's uh, Travel at Christmas Eve, and particularly in a poem from eighteen eighty one called Tomten. And it has nothing of Christmas in it. Nothing of Christmas. It's a cold midwinter night, and the Tomte is out there standing, looking at the snow, and wondering 
what's the meaning of all this? Why is, where do we come from? Where, do, where are we going? And he asked this young uh, painter, illustrator, Jenny Nyström, to illustrate his poem. And she did. And that became kind of, she has since been credited of creating the image of the Swedish Tomte, the Swedish Yule Tomte, because uh, nobody know before Rydberg what the Tomte looked like. It didn't look like <laughs> So she created a small little being, so very small, a tiny person dressed in gray and with a gray hat. Eventually, he it was an old man. Eventually, he got a red cap. Jenny uh, Nyström went to Paris and studied painting there. And there she discovered the postcard market and said, wow, why don't we have that in Sweden? And she went back and talked with the Bonnier Publishing Company. They were not interested first, but eventually they discovered that the postcard market was great. And that's when she started creating her tomtes. And in the beginning, they were little old man, you know, these are kind of the things that you would put on the table right. at uh, Christmas. And you can see this guy is is not in a very he's an old guy long white beard jolly. yep red cap uh, red cap but look he has a green jacket he has a green jacket and a red belt yes yeah and you also have this things and uh, here he's getting she was they got complaint that he looked so ugly so they wanted to make him a little jollier a little nicer uh so she did and you see here with the Christmas goat. Yes. You know the the Christmas goat in the uh, in the original stories around Christmas. It wasn't the tomte that brought the pre present. It was the Christmas goat. Right. And the man of the house would dress up in a goat mask on Christmas Eve and give the presents. And that's illustrated in Elsa Beskov's book early. And here one of them. Oh, look at that. A goat mask. <laughs> yes, he was one of the most famous illustrators and book writers of the of the early turn of the last century. So it was actually, and it's interesting today. In you know, we say Jultomten today, and in Norwegian is Julenisse, but in Finnish it is Julupukki, yes. and that is means Julbok. Uh, so still, they still call him Santa Claus, but that's the name, the, the, the Yule or Christmas goat is the one who brings the present in Finland today. So, so interesting. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was Jenny Nyström's original illustrations and she has been credited by creating the image of the Swedish Yule Tomte, the Swedish Tomte, because before Rydberg and Jenny Nyström, nobody really know what it looked like. And then eventually her, her image is spread so fast because it was postcards on cookie jars, on everything. It appeared everywhere, you know, so they became very, very popular. And then did they eventually start to look like in terms of colors and what was worn more like the modern Santa Claus? I mean, red with white ruffs that, and things? <laughs> you know, also even the old Father Christmas in the old store in the old poem, The Night Before Christmas, yeah. the illustrations from, more, right. from, uh, from that poem, the, the contemporary illustration, he's dressed in green, sometimes in red, hmm. but mostly in green. As you can see, well, this is the, the newsroom, but 
Yeah. But it's interesting that the modern day Santa, the original Santas were very small, but the modern day Santa is actually a creation of the Swedish American illustrator Haddon Sundblom, who was asked by the Coca-Cola company to make an ad campaign in the 1930s. Okay. So uh, because Coca-Cola was then only drank in the summer, so the Coca-Cola company wanted him to create something to make it Coca-Cola very convenient around Christmas time too. So he created all these pictures that we today see everywhere and that uh, the present day Santas that you find in the malls and so on are are models of Hadon Sundblom. And he was his, he was born in the US, but he was his parents came from Orland and from Sweden. So and why all red? Well, Coca-Cola's colors are nice. red and white. We have some images of some red before, and sometimes when you say, oh, it was Coca-Cola uh, that made the, the Santa Claus red, they said, no, 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 that's not true. And we had some red ones before. But he was the one that created this big, jolly guy with, with a, a big beard, but happy face, red nose, cheeks, uh, kind, red pants, red jacket, and the fur cuff on, on his collar, and... Uh, white beard and a black belt that is uh, that was his creation and for some reason that this is a he was a big santa too he was not small so he kind of became the image that we today see in the malls you know who yeah. and whatever in contemporary but of course there are many that's the american version of santa right but of course there are many many other that it hardly isn't a an illustrator that hasn't tried their hands in some way at the interpretations. I think you you mentioned Harald Wiberg. Uh, yeah, he's my and, favorite. <laughs> uh, he, he's your favorite, yeah. He, he's kind of a latecomer, though. It wasn't until the 1960s that he started to to illustrate it. Before that, he was an he was illustrator and painter and sketcher and etchings of animals right and so i, I remember in, in the summer house where i spent the summer there was a very nice one with a deer that my uh, of, a, of a deer that my father got in and he kind of prized it so it was he did a lot of animals lots of nature and when you do nature you know it's not very far to do to to step into the tontas and when he got his breakthrough it was with a version of of uh, a modern version adaptation of Victor Rydberg's poem, and it was adapted by Astrid Lindgren, and he was asked to illustrate the story, Tomten, and there's also one called Tomten and the Fox, right. that you probably think yeah. right. Uh, his Tomten is also small. Yes, very. It, it isn't the Coca-Cola Tomten, it's a small one from, from the farm spirit. And uh, he's not bigger, often portrayed with a cat or a fox, and he is just as small as they are, but he has an enormous big head, an enormous big beard. <laughs> oh, have, yeah, 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 there he is. <laughs> and a small body, but a big hat and a big beard and, and a big head. And he's also very, very close to to uh, to the animals. You know, yes. it, it often it, it, the more famous illustrations are with 
the tomte and the cat or the tomte with the fox and he's kind of the same size of those so what is it that that he speaks the language that only animals and children understand yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's what they like to say <laughs> yeah so what happens to us when we grow up we can't understand that language anymore no we we lose the ability to play and to we become too serious we become too serious we lose we lose our imagination we lose our our uh, our ability to dream and imagine and go off into a wonderland you know because then we enter adulthoods and then we can't do it too bad (laughs) (laughs) so i it sounds like you're saying and i make that connection too that viberg was so nature connected and it's almost as you said a small step to to see the tomte as sort of part of that backdrop as nature spirit is that what you're saying you think yeah yes i'm saying and all in in Scandinavia, the tomtes in, in the Nordic countries, the tomtes are fairly small. You know, they have spirits. And, uh, the nis, little nisses, nisse is a short form for Nils, which is Niklas, Saint Niklas. Uh, no kidding. So, that's kind of, so, and you know, during the Olympic Games in in uh, in Oslo in Norway, they had the, the opening ceremony. They had little nisses, little. Uh, spirits popping up from the ground so they they are small and they they are nature spirits that live in nature and you better and this you better behave nice to nature you better treat treat nature life and i think that's one of the basis too for sustainability and respect for nature and nature love in sweden because it's alive it lives something something lives there you better take care of it you can't kind of Profit and exploit it however much you want. Yeah, that makes sense. So would, would yeah. you say that Astrid Lindgren took the narrative that she put in the book is, is fairly different from Riedberg's poem, uh, that she departed from it, was pretty close? I, I've heard different people address that. Yeah. You know, uh, any type a, an artist take a text and adapts it, they make that change. Yeah. And I was kind of looking for my copy of the, my uh, Astrid Lindgren and Haradiba Tomte book, and I couldn't find it. Oh, I know where <laughs> mine is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew, you know, I'd been living out of Vachon, which had been my summer home, but now I'm back in town again. And I was looking, I'm sure I have it there. And I was looking, I was kind of rummaging through the bookshelf. I couldn't find it. So at this point, I don't exactly know how she adapted it but it was based on Rydberg but Rydberg's poem Tomten is the classic Swedish Christmas poem and it has nothing to do with gift giving or Christmas essentially it's a dark cold night and one of the farm spirits is wondering where do we go and where do we come from and what is the meaning of it all? Very philosophical. Yes, you know? indeed. <laughs> so, but still, it's rather deep, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing commercial or, or really Christmas-like, but it still has become the classic Christmas poem. And particularly, I think most Swedish kids growing up in school know the first line: "Midwinternattens sköld är hård, stjärnorna gnistrar och glimmar." 
And the last line, the snow is shining white on the roofs and everywhere. Endast tomte nevaken, only the tomte is awake, you know. Those are the lines. The rest, I, I probably don't remember. But this poem was at least in my growing up in Sweden as famous as it, it was the night before Christmas. Yeah, I've uh, always sometimes had the feeling that the tomte books were the Astrid Lindgren and, and Gammeldags Yule as well. There's this edge about, is he lonely? Is he not lonely? He's just solitary. He's, he's solitary. No, I don't think he's lonely. He's, he's just solitary. He likes, he likes to go around and ponder uh, what nature, what the meaning of it is, how you take care of nature. And so on. he was also a little grumpy. You yes. know? He was a little grumpy in the, in the, in the early folk tales, you know, that you had to treat him well. There are the stories about how one farm wife thought that he, he was looking so raggedy that she made him a nice new suit, and he was really offended, <laughs> really offended. So, you know, you had to be give him, give him porridge Christmas and with honey and sugar on and keep him happy. Keep nature happy. Do what's right with nature, you know. Yeah, I've heard lots of really good, like, uh, he got so grumpy, he he tied the cow's tails together in the barn yeah. <laughs> or yeah, mysteriously exactly. the gate got open and all the animals got out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He would do all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of things. So Walter Yuva did a finish at uh, the Finnish book of it. Tontu. Tontu. Yeah. Tontu is also, there's also a Finnish name for it, uh, but, uh, but really what he's mostly known for is Yulobuki. Puki. Yes. which is the Yule book. That's if you if you look up, but Tonto is also a name, but that's more kind of a farm spirit. I'm not so familiar with this person you are talking about. I only know of Zacharias Topelius in the turn of century, the same as same time as Rydberg and in the Nyström and so on. He did some Christmas writings too about the Tonto, the Yulepuki. We have a picture of... Um... John Bowers, uh, Yulepuki, and and a, a little guy on top. Yes, yes, that that is lovely too. That is lovely. Too. Lots of uh, when you go to IKEA now, you can buy these uh, Christmas goats and uh, put the decorations. I have several here, oh, <laughs> and so my, that my grandchildren enjoy and so on. They always have to put one by the Christmas tree. When you put the Christmas presents under, you have to put the Yule book next to it because he's the one that brings the present. That's great. Yeah, we have uh, one of the straw Yule books, uh, yes. the Norwegian version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, there's there's one more recent uh, illustrator also uh, called uh, Sven Nordqvist. I don't know if you, you have heard, but he did the Mamma Moo uh, stories. Very popular. He was actually an architect, but he really wanted to be an illustrator, has written a series of books. And he has also done one called The Fox Hunt or The Fox Chase, where he also deals with, with and he has a cat, deals with, you know, being kind to nature and uh, taking care of nature and so on. He also has a tomte, but that's a mechanical tomte. He's in tomte machine, the tomte machine, because he's very, he has his very favorite cat called Findus or I don't know what he's called, uh, Petton and Findus in, in Swedish. He has sometimes another name in, in the English translations. I don't remember call it right now. 
But he's very concerned that his beloved cat will not have Santa who will come for Christmas. So he decides to create one mechanically instead. <laughs> but that he that is has not become very popular or as widespread. Still, the most widespread are are the the uh, the Jenny Nyström one, the uh, Harald Wiebe one, the one uh, the Santa Claus ones that nobody really connects with Coca-Cola. I hope yes, and I don't even connect that with with Tomte. I'm sorry. <laughs> Santa Claus, <laughs> sure, he's over there, but the Tomte yeah. is something else. He's over here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What we call the view Tomte. Yeah. When I grew up in Sweden, Santa Claus would come in person. Lived in a house, four-story house with four, eight families or something. And it was one uh, medical doctor had his had his practice on the first floor, and he was always the one that was the tonte. And so my mother would put the bag outside our door, and then we would all stand in the window, and we would see him coming. And he looked in raggedy clothes, and and he, and he had a big beard and a big mask on his face, and he would go and we would knock on the door and say, "Come on, come on, come on!" And he me no, and we would go, oh, we knocked on the door and we say, "Come on, come on, come on!" And he would then start come in, and he would joke with us, uh, you know, uh, and ask the classic question: barn? Are there any good, well-behaved kids here?" And we said, yes, yes, yes. And then he would op- uh, he would give hand out the presents and he, he would get the glass of glug, you know, uh, the mm-hmm. glue wine. Yes. And then he would go up the next floor and the next floor and he get the wine in every place. <laughs> so I understand we lived on the second floor. So we were fairly good. The people who lived on the fourth floor, they said when he came to the eighth apartment, he was pretty well. <laughs> he, he couldn't speak very well. Yeah. <laughs> But in but in the in the early times the the tomte it was not uh, Christmas presents were not delivered through the chimney, he came in person, and he knocked on the door and asked if you were if you had been be- well behaved all year you know and that is a continuation of of the Christmas goat where you you dressed up in yes where the man of the house dressed up in in these goat masks and so on and then. They were the ones who brought the presents, and then you would reveal who they were. But we, of course, we could see That's the cool. we could see the Santa, and we saw that he didn't look normal. You know, he had this kind of face mask and so on. So we know it was the daddies of the house would disappear before before Christmas, and and then uh, you know suddenly the Santa Claus would appear. Uh, but here in the U.S. now with with with. Uh, with the Santas coming, dropping through the through the chimney at night and delivering presents, a lot there have been a lot of discussions in in psychological uh, terms. Also, is it good for children to believe in Santa? Should parents deceive them and tell them there is a Santa, or should they tell them that it's all fake? Will that destroy their imagination? And there's two sides to this. <laughs> Some people say no, let them keep their joy in doing it and others says no you can't deceive the children you know uh, when i when my daughter was small i was of the school you don't deceive your children you speak honestly so i told them that you know there isn't really any santa you know but this is what we say it's a game we do and so on and she would hear that and said yes 
And then we still would go to the mall and she would climb up on the lap of Santa and says, okay, so when you come down to the chimney, you walk down the hall <laughs> and in the guest bedroom on the top shelf, there are the presents. You know? <laughs> and, you know, she would also say at night before Christmas, oh, look there, you know, somebody's flying, that must be Santa, you know. <laughs> so I could tell her all I wanted, that Santa is just an imaginary figure. He didn't. <laughs> she, she still liked to kind of instruct the Santa, Santa when he would come through the chimney exactly where the presents were so so that he would know yeah yeah i remember the day when my daughter figured out that the the nissa was me <laughs> <laughs> and we would we would make grimagra together and set it out yeah. and then in the middle of the night i would go and try to hoof down as much of that i got talk about a stomach egg <laughs> but it was always partly eaten the next day and somehow she, she worked it out and that was a tough day <laughs> that was a tough day yeah. yeah you know they have their own world and we may impose on it but uh, they they mature as they mature yes <laughs> so, so uh, kind of as a side back to the goat what's the relationship to the sort of the evil side of, of Krampus the this yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think there's two different uh, there's two different traditions there we don't really know where the where the Nordic Yule book comes yeah. from and he is kind of typical for the Nordic countries uh, I think they they think back I read some historical version at one time that went goes back to the time in the Roman times when they would deliver presents around around New Year's Eve and then eventually during Christian times you started delivering presents at uh, around Christmas Eve instead and in some way that got translated to the Yule book in Sweden but the Krampus is quite a different thing he is the one that that punishes the kids for having misbehaved and they, i don't know if you have been to krampus lauf in in germany or in austria they are they are horrible absolutely scary you know adults would get scared but you know the the, the streets are lined with kids with their parents and they are so excited and the and the krampus the different monsters with horns would come you know and the beat with their their whips and so on and the kids would just squeal with fear, squeal and be happy. That's a different tradition. The, the, it, it isn't really a connection, I don't think. There is, there is a small connection. I don't think it has been really cleared up between the goat and Father Christmas. And, uh, and then in, in connection also with uh, St. Nicholas. I have an early illustration here from uh 1820s oh look this at that Christmas. Yeah. he's got a bush in it on on his head like a yeah on and he's riding a and goat he, he's riding a goat but he's not dressed in red but he's bringing presents that's great <laughs> <laughs> well i'll let you go thanks so much okay. appreciate it okay he okay, says okay hey doc you can hear and, in fact, see Dr. Gavel Adams read other stories, such as those of the famous Moomins and drawings of Tuve Janssen at nordicmuseum.org. Or rather, just Google Expert Chat with Lotta Gavel Adams on YouTube. As I mentioned, 
Dr. Gavel Adams teaches at the University of Washington, where I earned my degree in Norwegian language and literature. So now some music. Since we're talking about secular spirits like the Tomte, let's move to the non-secular, to the Scandinavian Christian tradition celebrating the legend of Santa Lucia. This ceremony is usually held around December 13th in Norway, Sweden, Finland, or the Swedish-speaking part of Finland and Denmark, and by other Scandinavians around the globe. It's also, of course, celebrated in Italy, which is where the origin of the Santa Lucia festival began. Santa Lucia was a 4th century martyr, a young woman who brought food to the Christians hiding in the Roman catacombs. In the ceremony, a young woman playing Santa Lucia, Saint Lucy, in a white robe walks slowly into the room or a church with a wreath of lit candles in her hair, followed by other young women holding lit candles. Sometimes young men in white are included, and they often are wearing a cone-shaped hat with stars on it. So I'd like to play you a recording of the Sancta Lucia song. It comes from the Festival of St. Lucia, a video produced by Gustavus Adolphus College in Bemidji, Minnesota in 2020. The song is usually sung by Sancta Lucia and young women, young men who are in the processional and go into the church or into the room and up to the front. The Lucia singers are led by Dr. Elizabeth Sherland, and on the organ is Chad Winterfeld. Beautiful stuff, huh? If you're a lover of Scandinavian music, like I am, and want to hear more of this kind of thing, or folk, or pop, or jazz, 
of a Scandinavian flavor, I encourage you to check out the Scandinavian Hour broadcast out of Seattle. It's at 6 and 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturdays, and again at 6 Pacific on Sundays. They broadcast on KKNW Radio, but it's easiest to visit their website at www.thescandinavianhour, all one word, lowercase.org, and just click the Listen Live button. So my friend Seth Tufteland uh, is the main host. Doug Warney is still there in the background. And friends, serve up an hour of great tunes from the Nordic countries and the Nordics around the world. To read up more on Nissa and Tomte, I recommend the articles in the Norwegian American News at norwegianamerican.com. That's all one word. That's another place to learn about Nordic culture, especially the article by Henning Seemsdorf on Tomte. Our introductory theme music is The New March, played by Alfred Morton Heurup and Ruthie Dornfeld at mortonalfred.com and ruthiedornfeld.com. Our outgoing music is composed and performed by the amazing one-man band, see our podcast about him, Daryl Jackson at daryljacksonmusic.com, D-A-R-R-Y-L-J-A-C-K-S-O-N-music.com. And so, to Nestegong, this is your host, Eric Stavney on Nordic on Tap, Viseas. Viseas.